The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus passed through towns and villages, teaching as he went and making his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few people be saved? He answered them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I tell you, will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. After the master of the house has arisen and locked the door, then will you stand outside knocking and saying, Lord, open the door for us. He will say to you in reply, I do not know where you are from. And you will say, we ate and drank in your company and you taught in our streets. Then he will say to you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. And there will be wailing and grinding of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves cast out. And people will come from the east and the west, and from the north and the south, and will recline at table in the kingdom of God. For behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. When we hear this Gospel, there could probably be a, a lot of different responses. Because um, there, there could be immediate like, pushback, like thinking, oh, well, you know, I'm going to be one of the chosen ones. I'm, I'm going to make it into heaven. Like, I don't have to worry about this. I've, I'm definitely okay. And there's probably others that they, they hear this and they think, wow, Jesus, like you're supposed to love everybody. Like why, why would you not open up heaven to, to all people? Like you sound like a jerk. <laughs> You're like, whoa, you called Jesus, called Jesus a jerk. Like that's a bold move. Yeah, well, presumption is a, a dangerous thing. And that's another reality of this gospel. Like there's this idea of, of presumption, of, of false hope even. The one reality though is heaven is very real. And if heaven is very real, then hell is very real. And if hell is very real, then what I do in my life right now in the world actually matters. How I act, how I behave, how I go about doing things actually means something. And, and this is a big deal, especially when we talk about uh, the idea of faith and works, when we talk about the idea of inclusivity or exclusivity, and for many of our brothers and sisters from other Christian denominations, this is a, a huge point of fracture. This is a, a huge point of contention and, and where we get into disagreements. Now, Bishop Barron, he, uh, he gave a really beautiful explanation to this reading, and I'll try to, to link it on the, the webpage for you to, to check out. He talks a lot about like that first part when the, the individual comes up and asks, like, Lord, like, will, will, will there be a lot of people in heaven? Will I, will I be there in a sense? And scripture scholars through centuries have debate about everyone's going to heaven, no one's going to heaven, and a whole spectrum in between. What we have to do is we have to have hope for heaven. We have to have hope that heaven is something that is possible, it's reachable, it's attainable, 
but it's not necessarily guaranteed. And so Bishop Barron talks a lot about the distinction of, I have hope that people will be in heaven, but I'm not necessarily hopeful that everyone will be there. Like, it's possible that some may not. The danger that comes from this gospel and from that beginning section is the concept of exclusivity. And so we have to give some context. Jesus was a Jew talking to a Jew in the time of Judaism. And we are Christians that have come out of Judaism, so that's a great gift for us. But the idea that Jews would have had would have been back to the Old Testament and the chosen Israelite people. So when we hear about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, those are the guys who were part of the, the chosen people, but either died before they got to see the promised land, and yet still you know, receive that hopeful gift of eternity. But Jesus is talking to this guy about the idea of exclusivity. Like, just because you were chosen doesn't mean you're going to make it. And that's, that's where we get into a lot of conflict with other Christian denominations. Like, the idea like, oh, I'm baptized, I'm saved, I've chosen Jesus, that's enough. But the real question is, is that enough? To, to say, Jesus, I've made you my Lord and Savior, but I'm going to go murder someone today. That seems contradictory to the gospel. That seems problematic, because if we're meant to be love, and we've heard this in other readings but this past week, What's the greatest commandment? To love God with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, but also to love my neighbor, and we hear it in two different ways, to love my neighbor as myself or to love my neighbor as Jesus loves them. And so, yes, by our baptism, we are adopted into the family of God. That's awesome. That's amazing. But we still have to cooperate. We still have to participate. We still have to engage ourselves with the faith. And that's a great gift for us as Catholics. Like, we come to Mass not just because of the obligation, but because we actually engage with the Word of God. We engage with an encounter with Jesus. We present ourselves for communion. We receive the Lord. Like, there's a lot of action happening in the Mass. Amen? And even when I make you say stuff, you're engaging in the Mass. Amen? Amen. Those four right there get it, because they're from St. Vincent's, and they know that like, I do this all the time, which is so good to see you. My heart is just like blowing up with like, joy. So happy. The other reality is, yes, getting back to hope, because what is the opposite of hope? Despair and presumption. And so we hear that. Jesus, let me in. I don't know you. What do you mean you don't know me? I was at the dinner table with you last night. I don't know you. And that invokes a whole nother idea. What does it mean to be known? What does it mean to be known by the Lord? Again, by my baptism, I'm known. He's called me. He's claimed me by my name. But if all I did was get baptized and I never stepped foot in a church ever again, do I really know Jesus? Oh, yeah, I mean, like, he's in nature, and I spend time with him, and I mean, like, I've read scripture once or twice. 
How many of us have had relationships where, oh yeah, I remember meeting you 20 years ago. I never talked to you ever again, but like, I know you really well. No one! No one has ever had that reality. So the, the idea of despair, like this wailing and grinding of teeth, like, yeah, I don't want to not be known by the Lord, so I have to engage. I have to participate. I have to do stuff. Bishop Rhodes, uh, yesterday in his homily, spoke so beautifully about the gift of the school and celebrating 100 years of Catholic education here in Wabash and just the gift of what a Catholic education brings, which is ultimately the fact that we get to share faith and knowledge together. Like, they are one and the same. But he also spoke about that idea of um, despair and presumption and, and just the dangers of not uniting ourselves to the Lord in a sacramental way. So for us, as, as Catholics, as, as Christians, the gift of sacraments is the daily gift of encounter, the daily gift of, of meeting our Lord and, and developing relationship. The thing that I would hope would not happen in reading this is that we, we develop that idea of exclusivity, like, well, you know, this is for me, but not for you. No, we are actually a people that need to be welcoming, be open, be hospitable to others. But we also have to call each other to something greater and something higher. We have to be able to call each other to say, you know, I know you're Catholic. You haven't been to Mass. Like, you need to go to Mass. You should probably go to confession. You know, if you're not going to Mass, what, what's going on? Like, what has impacted you? What's, what's hurt you? What's affected you? Because we all have woundedness, we all have difficulties in that regard, but we don't want to fall back into this, well, when I'm 80 years old, I'll make it all right with God. No, I have to make it right with God right now, because I want to have a living relationship with Him right now. Life with the Lord, so this is how I describe my life, prior to Catholicism, prior to Christianity, prior to any faith, and now a life entirely given over to it. For me, it's like black and white TV versus color TV. Like, has anyone seen like the classic Wizard of Oz? One person? Okay, three people? Five of you? Okay. Like, did that not blow your mind when they went from the black and white to the color? I literally used to think that like TV didn't know, like not that just the technology didn't exist, but like that color didn't exist in the world. I literally thought that. Like, I was like, did color not exist in 1948? Well, it did, but we didn't see it. Anyway, that idea of like going from the black and white to the color, like it's there, I see it, I perceive it, I, I understand it. Same thing with faith, like I know it's there, I, I do something. But then living the faith, exploring the faith, having hope of what is to come, like that's the color. There's a vibrancy, there's, there's a nuance, there's much more detail involved. So we need to have hope. We have to have hope. Hope is essential. But we don't hope with presumption. I'm going to make it. It's no big deal. No. What I do, how I do it matters. And it, and it begins every day anew. There's a constant renewal of conversion we have to make. Yesterday, uh, following the homily, the installation of a pastor uh, includes... Um, a lot of different pieces, but one of them is uh, the profession of faith, which is the creed. We all say that together. Like, this is what we stand for. This is what we believe. This is what we're willing to 
hopefully lay our lives down for. But then there's also another part called the oath of fidelity. And in the oath of fidelity, uh, the priest goes to the altar, he places his hands on the book of the gospel, which is God's word, and, and makes an oath of what we promise to do for you. Uh, and it's, it's intense. I like it. It's really, really involved. But it, it all stems from this idea of hope. Like, if there wasn't hope in what is to come, there'd be no point in an oath of fidelity or a profession of faith because life would be meaningless. But we know life is very meaningful. So our gift as, as Catholics, as Christians, is to be welcoming, to be hospitable, to be um, bringing people into the church, knowing that heaven is very real and hell is very real, and I want the latter, I want the first part. But I can't just presume it's going to be given to me, it's going to be handed to me. And we know that also in Scripture. Jesus multiple times reminds us and promises us difficulties, not for the sake of just difficulty, but because it helps us to grow. Um, I've heard this from my parents, family, friends, like, and maybe you've all said yourselves, something worth doing, it's hard. Like, doing something hard, it's worth doing, or something like that. Um, faith is hard. Living out the faith right now in the 21st century is hard, but it's worth it. So we have hope for what is to come. We, we fight against the exclusivity, um, and we uh, choose not to fall into despair or presumption, but to say, Lord, uh, I will cooperate with you. And in that cooperation with you, uh, I will receive this great reward. Uh, so the gift for us today, the examination is, how is the Lord inviting me, all of us, to cooperate with him for his kingdom?